welcome to Brain Noodles. This is the podcast where I sit down with some of my friends and we talk about the different things that are going on in our lives and the weird thoughts that run around inside of our heads. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Megan Connell. I'm a psychologist in practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then virtually in Virginia and Washington State, and hopefully other states soon. We'll see. It depends on if I can get all my paperwork done. I am joined today by two lovely co-hosts. Let's start off with Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Hey, it's me. My name is Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I'm a clinical psychologist practicing in Maryland, and I am also the community manager for Take This, as well as an adjunct professor of game design at American University. And I think that covers it for now. All right. And Dr. Rachel Cohort. Hello, I am Dr. Rachel Cohort. I am a research psychologist and the research director of Take This. I am also um, a character on Clinical Role here on Geeks Like Us. And um, I'm tired. It's 2020 every day. It is. It is 2020. It's been um, a rough week. Lots of things have happened that, but like, uh, let's just talk about the thing that is most relevant to all of our lives, which is the inaugural first ever Good God, why did it go for nine days? PAX Online just finished. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, both Lord. were incredibly busy during PAX. So tell me, like, fill everybody in. What was it that you all were doing during PAX? Uh, well, um, I was facilitating the Take This AFK Online room, which if you're familiar at conventions uh, like PAX, Take This typically shows up with a nice little space that's quiet and chill, staffed by trained volunteers and always a clinical person on duty. And so with them moving packs online, we like, well, we'll do that too. And so I created a Discord space within the existing Take This Discord and did some magic and people came and they visited. And uh, I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the numbers, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, the initial numbers that we can tell from our stats is we helped over 170 people. Amazing. Um, through, like, Kelly contact. did an amazing job. Amazing. The volunteers so cool. were the heroes. Like we had yes. over 100 volunteers. Um, we had over, I think like 200 people join the server and stay. And yeah, we, we had over 175 like support contacts and something like 20 actual like one-on-one check-in, not quite crisis, but you know, like intensive support, uh, which is, which is huge. And the, the biggest thing for me was one, the consistent feedback of, I'm so glad there's a space that's chill. Like the PAX discord is way too crazy for me. I'm so glad I have a place to just chill and hang out. And uh, yeah, so I didn't realize it was nine days. I just kind of like, it all feels like one really long day. Um, I mean, in reality, it feels like March 26th. So like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I didn't even have a panel. I think it's the first packs I haven't had one, um, at least that I've been in, in attendance at. And, but yeah, like I was just very, very busy. Um, and it was very di a very different experience, but it's really cool because now we have a discord full of really cool people, most of which are therapists and we get each other and it's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. What were you up to during PAX, Rachel? Uh, I spent a lot of time in the discord. Uh, I have to also agree that the PAX discord was like overwhelming because it's nine days. It's all of the PAXs combined. So it's all of the people who would go to all of the PAXs and it was just utter chaos for me. Um, 
but it was great. I had three panels. I moderated one and I was on two and they were all in the first two days of PAX. So that was actually really great. So those were over with. Um, and I watched, I watched quite a few panels. There was a lot of good content um, that was coming out, but it also at some point, I don't know, four days in seemed to be a bit overwhelming. It's like, oh God, now there's another panel I want to watch. And oh, really panels are still happening? Is PAX still happening? What day is it? Um, so I did feel a bit burnt out at the end. And I think PAX in person, you also have that feeling, but it's only four days, right? Not nine. So it was a lot. It was a lot, but I enjoyed it. I think it went really well. I've done a lot of online conferences this year because of COVID and they aren't all done that well. I thought the quality of content was really high and uh, there was a sense, a good sense of community that you don't usually get in an online conference, I feel like, maybe because it was nine days, I don't know. Um, but I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it, Megan? I didn't actually do too much because like I was on a couple of panels that got got on and I did the geek trivia and like I thought I was on the PAX Discord and it was like incredibly quiet. I'm like, what is everyone talking about? And it was the last day that I realized I was on the wrong Discord. I was on the Discord oh, that you no. just have for panels. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, so I actually missed out on a lot of this stuff. Um, when 2020 started in the before times, um, my plan this year was to step back a little bit and try to regroup and get energy back so that I could like actually have the energy to do other creative projects and family stuff and all of those things. And so like, uh, I intentionally did not submit any panels. I was on a couple, but uh, so I really tried to take a step back and just go, you know what? I'm going to hear what the good panels were and then I'm going to go find them on YouTube because most people are posting them up there and then I'm just going to watch them on my own time. I'm not going to try to balance all this because we're still doing the at-home learning here and then working and everything. So like it's sort of just a normal week for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was interesting. Other than, you know, working, I think my highlight of PAX was the Dr. Exoskeleton trivia hellscape nightmare activity mm -hmm. it was three days of intense nerd trivia and i i literally i probably spent at least three hours every day in there solving those riddles earning those cogs deciphering all sorts of different things learning about some really weird uh games i guess we'll call them games and uh, you know, learning to barter really well. Like, well, I've got clue to cog three slash five, but I'll trade you for cog two slash you know two or whatever. And that was uh, yeah, we uh, team take this or T three as we like to call ourselves. Uh, we took twenty sixth place out of over eight hundred teams. It's awesome. So really good. We've all been through something together. Involved <laughs> is like everybody on the team is like probably still in recovery at this point. But it does, um, it felt really good to, to rep and to, you know, get that high up. And every team that finished was money given to charity. So cool. that was really oh, cool too. Awesome. And yeah, it was, it was really cool. And evil and awful, miserable pain, but also really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the online panel aspect that a lot of these cons are doing because like, so many times when I go to conventions, like I want to see the panels because like sometimes it's people I know are on the panels or they're just really interesting topics. But then like 
you get to, this is the only time you get like actual physical face-to-face time with a lot of people that you want to interact with. And so it's like, you want to spend time with them. And so I hope that like filming the panels, streaming them, and then also putting them online afterwards continues because I've like, there are some panels, of course, I'll go to live. I'll make sure I'm, I'm at live, but just having that ability to go and watch them elsewhere is really, really nice. And, you know, it's more people can see it because, you know, there was a, a panel I was watching and it was like 800 people were watching it. Whereas, you know, in Whoa. the physical space, 800 people couldn't be there watching it. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool to think about like how much mo- more, how many more people could enjoy these panels than just people who are physically in the space. Definitely. I know I've got a couple more online panels to round out this year and like it's some of the schedules for next year's things are coming out and they're already like yeah we're still going to be online so think about that (laughs) yeah i've got a couple that are coming up um like as i was updating my cv as one does and um because they have an off day you're right and um it's like wow i really haven't done any talks this year at least compared to like the last two years when i've just been running circles um like i had games for change earlier this year and i think that's been about it um but upcoming i've got you know a couple things and one's with the maryland psychological association one's with a local um like resident residential juvenile inpatient thing um also we have tigs coming up which is the uh, toronto international Games summit of Canada, I think is what it technically is. Um, and I've got one, one wee bit there too. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a very different experience. I do like the virtual panels, exact same reason that Megan's saying. And also it's like, I think about it. I don't miss traveling. I really, really don't. I don't miss the airplanes. I don't miss spending so much time of my life, you know, in transit to somewhere else so i hope i hope part of this is here to stay because like i you know yeah i miss my face next to your face well yes i mean that's and the I part miss, i miss what what was the place we went to the, the haunted house thingy where we had the yeah, big potiony cool. bruise i know that was in toronto yeah. i know yeah. but i also don't like traveling i mean i don't like airplanes i mean i like mm-hmm. the destination i don't like the art of traveling yeah yeah, I agree. Like that whole thing of the travel, like I, I get travel anxiety of like, did I book the ticket for the wrong day or the, did I forget what time the plane actually takes off? And am I getting to places on time? And like, mm-hmm. I, I did book a ticket on a wrong day once and it ended up costing me like $400 cause I missed a flight and had to get a different flight. And, uh, there was just lots of anxiety, but it worked out in the end. Um, but I'm glad to not have that stress in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the saying is it's not the destination, it's the journey. Screw that. When it comes to travel, it's about the destination. Like going to Australia yeah. was great. I loved my time there. I'd love to go back. I just don't want to sit on a plane for 16 hours. Going to India? Oh, amazing. Fantastic. Just mind-blowing experience. 28 hours on a plane? Hopping back and forth? No. I don't like that. I don't want that. I'm always in the middle seat. Screw everybody because I can't sit on planes. Like, it, no, I don't miss that at all. Kelly, I have you topped. Oh, no. I'm just complaining. You, yeah, no, I got... <laughs> you were in the military. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 28 hours to Iraq. Ah. Oh, my gosh. 
and then when we were leaving Iraq, the, this, um, so some fun things about the military, like the really big, big, big planes um, where we can ship lots of cargo, you can actually roll tanks into them and stuff to send many, many soldiers, like they still have to follow, you know, safety guidelines. So they have to use like regular airplane seats. But the thing is, is we have to get into those planes in what we call full battle rattle. And so you're wearing your Kevlar helmet, you're wearing your Kevlar vest, and then you have your rucksack, but you can't have it on your back because you can't sit in the seat. So you have to have it in front of you. And then you're getting into regular, just coach class seats, five seats, you march in, you all have to stand in a row, and then they have to give you parade orders to turn, and then you all have to face forward, and then you all have to sit down at the exact same time, or else you might not be able to sit. <laughs> and then you have to do that for three hours. There's a lot of reasons I didn't go into the military. <laughs> I feel that really encapsulates a lot of a lot of them. Yes, yeah, it was uncomfortable. I, I have a picture of it somewhere. It, it was... <laughs> It was an experience, but I, I look at that positive reframe right there. Yeah. That's the psychologist. It was an experience. It was an experience. Well, and like, it was sort of funny though, because I appreciated being on that plane so much because, uh, war stories here. We had closed, I was in Iraq during operation new dawn. So that's when we were shutting everything down and getting out of Iraq. And so we had just shut down the behavioral health clinic and we were due to fly out two days later. That night, the airstrip got bombed, and our first sergeant got on and got us on the plane the next morning to get out of there. So we were going to have two, three days just kind of hanging out in this fob that I actually really liked, and I was fine with, but it was very nice to be like, okay, no, no, we're going to Kuwait now, and not going to have to worry about getting blown up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Yay. That was War yeah. Story Corner. <laughs> So Gosh. my war story was I was in the PAX Discord when news about RBG went down and I played triage there. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it was nice to have the take this Discord when that was happening, I will say. Yes, it was. And it's not a competition. I'm just a highly competitive person and I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's good to have support and good people yeah. to surround yourself with. They've been virtually virtually surround yourself with because we're not spreading diseases and we're being responsible humans. Speaking of virtual support, I've decided that if this psychologist professor community manager thing that I'm doing right now doesn't work out. <laughs> doesn't work out. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I have a really um, strong presence to become an inspirational speaker because <laughs> Rachel, Rachel had an issue and she shared it. And I went off because what you shared was very upsetting to me. And I went back and looked through it. I'm like, wow, I'm really inspirational. And at the end, Rachel even said I made her feel better. And there were lots of profanities and gifs and like just dressing down of people. And I'm like, you know, I'm really good at this. So, so the other are. things don't work. <laughs> In my brain, this is where my brain has gone to. This is a new subclass of barbarian where it's an intellectual yes. rage that does psychic oh, damage yes. through like just witty remarks and cutting, you know, like cutting words, but cutting only... words. Yeah. yeah. I think but that, that would be cutting. a good class for you. 
I mean, I, I mean, feel like I have to elaborate on the issue that happened now, though, because now the listeners will be like, what happened to Rachel? What happened? I, I wanted to leave it open, but I also didn't want to like, put you on the spot. I mean, I will. I can vaguely discuss because actually Megan, well, Megan's in the Discord. Megan, I'm in the Discord. Did you, did you read about the I incident? Oh, your letter was. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. listeners, I was asked to be on a panel and a few days before the panel, I met with the organizers of the panel and the organizer of the panel then told me who else was on the panel. And I had a lot of problems with the other people on the panel. One is not, one is a pseudoscientist that is kind of like hawking their quote unquote treatment plans for things, but they don't have an educational background in it. Another is um, a game studies person who's more on the fear mongering side than like the solid research side which is fine. I was, at first I was like, I could be the voice of scientific reason. Um, but it became very clear to me um, that I was meant to hold my opinions to myself and just give vague advice to parents. Um, and I decided that that was unethical and I can't do that. So I wrote a letter saying, I will not participate in your panel. This is why. Um, and Kelly said she would have just sent a, 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 a very a rageful gif uh, in response instead of a letter. Um, which made me chuckle. There was profanities in it. It was great. Yes. Um, I think one of my favorite favorite parts of that was, in fact, the letter. It was literally like a workshop and how to politely say, go after <laughs> yourself. Yeah, it, 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 was it really, brilliant. really was. I literally read a section of it to my husband. Like, you have to listen to this. This is like, this is like poetry. We need to get this framed. This is they like- didn't. They didn't respond. They just photoshopped me off of the um, flyer and didn't respond. So this this seminar is happening soon and I will be there under a pseudonym to see what's happening. And I know a lot of other people will also be there just to keep an eye on the pseudoscience that, uh, you know, contributes to the moral panic of video games. Yeah, I was I was on a uh, informational panel for a middle school and I went and I was like, this is for a middle school. I'm going to make sure I'm dressed in, you know, an appropriate manner. So I had my gamer earrings and my Mario original t-shirt on and jeans and stuff. That's, if anybody knows me, that is how I dressed 90% of the time. Um, jeans have just been swapped out for yoga pants because it's 2020. And uh, they had me sitting next to somebody who get engaged in all the fear mongering stuff around video games. And like they, and they got to speak first. And they did their whole mm. thing. And then it went to me and I'm like, well, you're sitting next to somebody with a Mario on their t-shirt. So I obviously don't quite agree with everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my main takeaway was, oh, good. Now it's a panel of all white men. Hmm. So, well, there so would have been one white that. woman, which I'm not sure makes it, I mean, makes it marginally better. It, 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 but yeah, still, it's just, um, it's a... It's a panel. It's a panel that has an agenda and a not a scientific. There's a line in the letter. It said something like, as a researcher and an educator, like, my job is to provide accurate information. That is not what they wanted to do with this panel. No, I think the, the line was like, I don't provide opinions. I provide research. <laughs> I was like, damn! <laughs> like, lit, lit! Just enter all the little fire emojis. Like, pew, 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 pew. Um, <laughs> And then before I guess we move off of it, I am generally very proud of the of the gif of the gif that I it was great put together it was great. because yes. it came along with me 
customizing Hamilton lyrics. I was going to say there was a custom rendition of cabinet battle number one, which is like the best of the cabinet battles on the soundtrack. Very impressed. Very impressed. Yes. I only remember the first two lines. I could look it up. Um, I feel like we need to put the, this GIF in the show notes for the. the we can. It's a, it's a I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yep. Put it out you there. You must be out of your goddamn mind if you think <laughs> Dr. Poon's going to wait while you link all this bullshit academics to, and, and then it goes on from there. Um, I was gonna, it, I'll show you where the shoe, I'll show you where my shoe fits. That's what it is. I'll show you where the, I'll show you where the research fits. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I was, I was very much into that. So yeah. Very good. Hamilton. I love Hamilton. <laughs> Can't get it. Hamilton is wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quickie break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our main topic of today, which is Microsoft taking over the gaming world. Dun, dun, dun. Hooray. Tune in to Clinical Role, a live play D&D show with all psychologists and therapeutic dungeon masters as players, where you get to meet compelling, deep characters such as... Baron Valdus, a ranger who protects... The sanctity of the forest and the wild from the encroaching steps of man. With his stalwart and trusty companions, we fight a never-ending battle against evil. And sometimes, a battle amongst ourselves and our will to go on as days grow long and the spirit grows weak. And Captain Ishka, one of the most famed and feared pirates on the high seas, I am respected, feared, and never leave my boat without my ginger chews because motion sickness is real. Sorry, Dabney. You're a pirate with motion sickness? <laughs> Where have you been? I've thrown up on you like five times. Oh, yeah. It's always you. Oh, yeah. It is always me. And I'm Gragnold, and I'm the avatar of the moon. And sometimes I rub this tooth around my neck and I talk to dead people. Oh, also, if you have a sword looking for love, let me know. Oh, it's called a whetstone, <laughs> and it's the way your sword can meet other swords and have long chats deep into the evening. And swords. Baron and Moonfang, happy to be here and hanging out with all of my friends, a druid of the forest and a thinker much like many other thinkers before me, thinking about all sorts of things. Things like squirrels and what to feed squirrels and what other things squirrels like to eat and general other small creatures like chipmunks that we're at war with, um, but still back on the squirrels thing, more like nuts or berries, or I guess you could feed them like a bark if you had like a bark that was really good or flowers, squirrels will eat flowers. They eat pretty much anything actually. And then, you, you know, if you, if you really treat them well and you pet them really well, then you could, you could basically feed them like apples or other fruits that you find. They like that kind of stuff too. And I sort of forgot what we were talking about. What are we talking about? And other characters like... Emerald, who has no idea what he's doing here. Who's Emerald? Oh, <laughs> damn! <laughs> it's on who? my friggin' birth certificate. <laughs> it's on the it's on the mug. It's on the mug. Emerald, Emerald doesn't ring a bell. Dabney, not at Dabney. All. We need a new Fine. mug. Gregor, do you know? I can't read some very well. So, oh my God. no, I don't, I don't know anyone named Emerald. I can't work under Is these. Is that the name of one of Bearden's squirrels? Oh, yeah. No. 
Oh, you should name a squirrel Emerald. That's a good name for a squirrel. Terrible name like for a, a name. person, though. Yes, very Can I nature. roll to fling a pebble at all of them? <laughs> Tune in to find out if you can. Every other Monday on twitch.tv slash geeks like us. And we're back. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, like some pretty heavy news has happened, but we've all decided for our own mental health We'd much rather process some fun and interesting news that can create interesting discord among us rather than stuff that might make us feel sad right now and hopeless. So um, Microsoft recently bought uh, Bethesda and their parent company, which I don't remember the name of off the top of my head. ZeniMax. ZeniMax for, was it 1.4 billion? 7.2 billion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of, Lots of zeros and billions. So um, I think what this now means, though, is we're going to get Skyrim Minecraft edition, right? Oh, maybe. I did read that it, uh, when I first read about the acquisition, it said, this is three times more than they paid for Minecraft. It's like, they paid that much for Minecraft? Oh, my God. Yeah. They're also getting a crap ton more titles than Minecraft, but... Well, I know that's why I was so surprised that they spent that much just for Minecraft. Yeah. Well, Minecraft, I mean, you think about it, it's been 12 or 13 years as like one of the number one games. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a good purchase, but billions. Wow. Billions yeah. and billions. But I mean, wrong, like, wrong career to, path. To Microsoft, that's, you know, nothing. That's yeah. nothing. Well, maybe not nothing, but, you know, like not enough that they had to go to their bank account. They probably had it in their wallet. Fair, fair. They didn't have it like it wasn't like spare change in the pocket. They actually had to pull out the proper wallet to pay for this. But like, how do you all feel about one company kind of gobbling up a lot of different titles and branches? And like, we could honestly expand that to talking about like Disney owning almost what they own like 75% of entertainment now or something like that. I mean, Back when I was doing undergrad, I had a class where we had to watch a video. Actually, I think it was one of those giant laser disc things. That's how old I am, friends. Um, and it was about, there were six media companies that own 90% of the media. And that was back then, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. So that's not necessarily something new. Like whatever Disney's parent company is, is probably one of those six that already owned like everything. Um, I was upset when Disney bought Star Wars myself. But then I saw they built Star Wars rides at, at Disneyland, and then I got over it. Because <laughs> that was all for that. that I, I have some unique perspectives. One, I am a stockholder in Disney. So well, it too. is vested interest in uh, us to gobble up all things. Um, obviously, like monopolistic tendencies are never good. Um, they don't ever lead to good things. So that is, but like, if you want to buy Star Wars, okay. Because that means Leia is a princess, and so is Rey. So, I'm I'm happy to see them going that way. In terms of Microsoft, I think they've known for a while now that in terms of them versus Sony, they can't really comp- and, and Nintendo, they can't necessarily compete in unique, exclusive first-person mm-hmm. titles. Um, I'm sorry, first-party titles. But they did learn that if you don't have it, you can just go buy it because yeah. you're Microsoft. And you can do that. And I'm, I'm really happy that they did. Mostly because I am a hardcore Xbox fan. 
Xbox fan. <laughs> I have um, I have an Xbox One right here, and I have another Xbox One right there, and I've got about five 360s in the closet. So I am a I'm a um, like this is not going to negatively impact me in any way. That said, Microsoft, out of the three major gaming companies, has been the one to say, "Hey, let's do crossplay. Mm-hmm. Let's have this like gaming for everyone. Get it out there." You know, there are some first party exclusives like Halo, for example, but even other ones have gone to other platforms and they, they really, I think it, that they've changed tactics instead of having like a console war, they've really left Sony out there kind of punching at ghosts, so to speak, while they're more of here, you want to play with your friends? Here's these games. You can play with your friends wherever you want on your phone, on your PC, on your, you know, your Mac on your xbox like we will we're i mean no they're talking with nintendo about cross-platform there like they have taken the the tact instead of exclusivity which is what sony is really excelling at they have taken the opposite tact of games for everyone now if it was the other way around i'd be freaking out (laughs) like sony's (laughs) gonna take everything and make it exclusive and i'm gonna have to buy a sony product i don't want to do it No, I I think it's a cool idea. And like, one of the things of like big companies, you know, pulling in air quotes around smaller brands and things, it's not that like Star Wars or Marvel or Bethesda, like these are not Mm -hmm. small things, is there can be that financial support to it, you know, like, because even big gaming companies can get to a point where like, they want to meet, you know, that Christmas deadline to get the game out. And it's really hard to keep the, you know, sometimes the money starts to run out because you find a glitch or a problem and you have to fix it. And like, so I, I hope that this acquisition means for the game developers that they're going to have a little bit more security. That's, I will mm-hmm. say that's one thing that I've heard from in the Nintendo camp is that it's really, really important there that everybody who's working on the game has a good work-life balance. And that was the CEO of Nintendo took a humongous pay cut when the Wii U flopped so that they could keep paying everybody below them, which I think is wonderful. And that's mm-hmm. the way companies, I think, should work in the Dr. Connell universe that exists in my brain. <laughs> right? Um, and I, I'm sad that Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed more, but I know we're going to get an awesome game because of it. And like, my hope, though, is that this acquisition will maybe make the next Skyrim game come out a little sooner than later. <laughs> Cause I really like Skyrim and the elder scrolls and that game's 11 years old now or <laughs> so 12 years old, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Old, um, <laughs> at least in, in game terms. Unfortunately, I, I, I want to live in Dr. Connell world. I don't hold out much hope just because I know that, you know, in Seattle, where so many of these game developers are, obviously Bethesda is in Bethesda, Maryland, which is where I live, close enough. Um, but like the way that Microsoft largely operates is with contractors. And Washington State has this really weird law where you can only be a contractor for a certain amount of time, like mm. a year and a half. And after that, you can't be a contractor for that company for like, six months. The idea was that it would be protecting people because then the companies would have to hire them, you know, after contractor status. But what happens is that the companies fire them. them. 
or they, they let them go. And then that person has to go find someplace else to be a contractor for a couple months and then could reapply to be back in the place where they originally were. And it's, I mean, that's just so consistent with the mentality that is just throughout game developers is that so many people want to be involved. You know, there's so many people who are saying, man, my, my dream job is to be a game developer or to work on Skyrim in some capacity that it's really easy to have churn and churn is a part of it. And yeah, it's, and that's on top of normal up and down cycles. Like, you know, when a game is just getting started, there's a huge hiring, you know, thing. And then a game takes two or three years and then it launches. And then a lot of those people get laid off because they don't, aren't needed anymore. They jump to a new position and it's just the normal ups and downs of gaming. But then you add on like local stuff that makes it harder or a megacorp like Microsoft that can just dedicate entire buildings to tracking their contractors, um, which is something that smaller companies can't do. So yay for games and yay for me, but it, I think it's still going to suck for people who have Employees. to work there. Yeah, yeah. Like thinking about people who like their dream is to work on these games that they love. Like I can't help but think of EA and like, mm -hmm that's been a thing like so many people grew up with the ea sports games i want to go work on them and like i uh i do not know what it's like to work at ea but like every report i've read has not been nice and not been flattering it does not seem like it's a good place to work and that they kind of use people until they cannot be used anymore and that's not good <laughs> no and that is that is a very triple a mentality unfortunately is there's so many people we can just we can just replace you and uh, the, the state of the industry paper that Take This published last year on, uh, on the gaming industry, like one of the most upsetting stats to me, and I, I teach this to my students too, just so they, you know, they really go into the industry knowing like the amount of people that have worked in the industry for more than 10 years is only like 20%. Like it's tiny. The amount of institutional knowledge is tiny because people get so burned out. And if they survive burnout and crunch, you know, then they're usually in their mid thirties and they're like, well, I want a family. I can't work these kinds of hours if I want a family. Like that's just not possible. Or, you know, depending on where they're working, oh, look, we're turning out the fourth version of the same thing that is still a 16 year old's power fantasy. I'm not interested in that anymore. I want something different. And so you see this massive brain drain after a certain amount of time, one, because the industry doesn't retain them, there's really no incentive to stay. And there's so much churn and so much instability that like, no, thank you. So yeah, ha light, happy yeah. stuff, right guys? Light, happy stuff. Well, um, and like, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. Yeah. I was waiting for you. I was just going to say, I, uh, I have no skin in the game in terms of the Microsoft acquisition because uh, I'm a PlayStation girl. That's what I was going to say. Never owned an Xbox. Don't play Skyrim. I'm a, I've always bought PlayStations because they had the exclusives to the new Final Fantasy games, and that's where my heart is. <laughs> well, though, um, thinking about this, like with those AAA titles, with the exclusive things and stuff, like it's really interesting because so many of the games that I have just absolutely adored have been these indie games. Uh, like on uh, Geeks Like Us, I just streamed the sequel to To the Moon called uh, Finding Paradise which, oh my God, the feels. Um, and if you want a video game to help talk about just ethics and ethics and psychology specifically, this is the game for it. 
there are so many ethical dilemmas that are presented and potential ethical problems that are presented to you. It is absolutely fascinating and a wonderful story, but it's, it's an independent gaming studio. It's, you know, three or four people who do 90% of the work on it. And like, mm -hmm. think about like, um, one of my favorites uh, that we have talked about on the sh on here before, Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. One guy created that, right? And like, that blows my mind. I don't, I don't I know how that's physically Valley. possible to have one person <laughs> make. I. Mm. Yeah. I think that's too like a, a more recent ish trend. I mean, a lot of indie games now. I think um, there are more indie studios, and there's more opportunity for them to get the word out about their projects through the power of the internet. Um, than there were, you know, 15 years ago, for sure. I mean, that's another thing I talk with my students about a lot is, you know, we, uh, today's class was on the hegemony of play, which is this very famous 2007 article that Digger put out and basically saying, you know, the idea of what games are and what gameplay is and what is a real game is controlled by this hegemony of play of the people who are making the games they all look the same they all have the same attributes they're all making the same game and they have determined that you know action shooter with 30 year old grizzled whitish man with trauma history is like the story that everybody needs um and that for a large part is true however like in the past 15 years you've had uh, tools like unreal and mm -hmm. unity become mm -hmm. available to people for game development coding has become a much more accessible skill than it was mm -hmm. even just 10 years ago and so there are so many more opportunities for different voices to be heard but those voices have to come from an indie space because AAA titles typically are not going to risk the money and investment mm -hmm. on something that may or may not work like i think about you know what remains of edith finch or gone home i mean for edith finch like giant sparrow is not a small company but they're definitely they're I think the term is a triple I indie. It's not triple A, but triple I. Um, but yeah, they're willing to take those risks because they can. It's kind of like steering a ship. If you have this giant cruise liner, it's going to have a lot of bells and whistles. It's probably going to have indoor plumbing, you know, and it can go and go and go and carry a lot of people with it. But if you need to turn, it's going to take like half, it's going to take a hot minute. Whereas if you're in like a little skiff or a little sailboat or something, yeah, you might not be as fast or have as many bells and whistles, but if you need to turn, boop, super, super yeah. easy. And I think stuff like Fall Guys and Among Us, which is a new one that's becoming very, very popular, mm -hmm. really prove that. Because these mm -hmm. are small titles. The graphics are not like, whoa, next-gen graphics, dude. They're literally bean people. Mm -hmm. But the gameplay is what's important. The gameplay and the togetherness of it is is really coming through. And I'm expecting to see a lot more of that come from the indie space as we go forward into 2020, or, or at least the games that are going to become popular are ones that are all about you and your friends getting together and doing stupid stuff together. Or the Goose Game, which turned one this week. It did, but there's a, there's a um, oh, I think it comes out this month, the the expansion where you can have yeah. two. Yeah. Cookies. Is it is it co-op yeah. co Goose Game? Yeah. <gasps> yes. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think the other one's a gander, technically, because it's got like a little bump on the nose. But uh, yeah, Very I can't cool. wait to. That's going to be fun. See, well, there's, I... there's good news in 2020. There is yeah. some. And like, actually, an interesting thing, too. I learned this actually from the Encyclopedia of Game Knowledge that is Jack Birkenstock. Mm. Oh, Among yes, Us he is. 
is actually a tabletop card game. Oh. It's a oh, hidden hand no. card game. Yeah. Then so that idea it's the same idea two people are traders and everybody else is trying to do these tasks and like the traders are trying to damage the tasks and kill everybody off. So like hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." I mean, it's, it's not unlike it's not unlike werewolf. It's like yeah. werewolf, yeah. but good. <laughs> werewolf is good. I, well, werewolf is good. Ruins friendships, but other than that, it's great. As a game designer, I'm good. Yeah. I I you don't, don't like, like werewolf. No, no. The the main. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it with your thing. My main issue with werewolf, as in any game that does this. Is that if you are not one of the special people, you literally just have to sit there and wait to die, and it's not a lot of fun. As no, like that's a not villager. true. Well, because you, as a villager, you pretend that you're important, so they don't kill you, right? But no, and if you're a villager, like if they think you're important, the werewolves are going to kill you anyway. They're going to kill you even well, faster, and you have no power to really save anything. Like you don't. To me, it just it yeah. Feels okay, a lot so like, what do you do? What do you do when you're the witch? right who can bring someone back to life and you open your eyes in the middle of the night and you see it's your card move forward well you obviously have to save yourself right that's the move but then the next round the wolves know wolves know that you saved yourself and you die anyway so the witch isn't a good card either but at least it's interesting as opposed to the one round where you say they tried to kill me it's not me but they're probably going to kill me the next round i don't know (laughs) Yeah, games like that where I feel like... Well, so a solution solution to that game, uh, another indie game that I have, a tabletop game, it's called Growl. It's a similar idea, like there's werewolves and villagers, but if you think you've figured out who the werewolves are, you can hand them pitchforks which stab them, and so the werewolves can get killed, and you don't know who's who until the there's you have to pass through three nights and then on the final night, if you're a werewolf, you howl at the end of it, and if you're a human, you stand up and go, yay! And if it's all human, <laughs> the humans win. <laughs> and if it's everybody's howling, it's really fun. And it only takes like 10 minutes to play. And it did, that one does not ruin friendships. <laughs> okay. Very good. The other, th- other thing I like about that over something like Werewolf, this is, this is a bee in my bonnet, are games that when you're out, you're out. Because yeah. that's not fun either. Like once you're dead and all you can do yeah. is sit there. Like yeah. Among Us, even as a ghost, I can still complete my tasks. You know, at least there, at least I have something to do. I can continue to contribute because I can tell you during Halo three practice in the PMS clan, and they always wanted to play the same warm up game, which is like headhunter. But if you died once, then you had to sit there. And so if it was a long game, you would be trying to get through practice. But if you were one of the first to die, you might be sitting there for 10 minutes, not able to do anything. That's not cool. That's not fun. I don't want to do that. On play. Yeah. I agree. So, the takeaway is Microsoft make sure that these are games where people can play together and not eliminate and have to sit and watch their friends play. Yes, I'm doing research, and I'm interviewing streamers about mental health during COVID, because <laughs> you know, and um, I've only talked to like four or five so far. And what I have found really interesting is when I've asked them things like, what, um, you know, if you could have anything from Twitch, from the, from game developers, like anybody that would make your streaming life better. The thing that has come across everybody so far is I want more games like Stardew Valley. I want more games that are like chill 
so that I can hang out with my community and like have us go through something together. And I was like, wow, I love research. Never would have saw that coming. And again, that's yeah. only five and, you know, yeah. we've still got a long way to go, but I just wanted to throw that out there too. Of like, yeah. you know, when we're talking about games as they're evolving. Mm-hmm. We're definitely seeing people want that, uh, that what's the term Brie code uses, um, not rest and digest, oh, tend and befriend type of yes. games instead of fight or flight. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we need right now. Like, I, it's interesting, you know, how Animal Crossing Take a Shot uh, mm-hmm. came out like just at the right time. Like, that was what everybody needed was like, a, a definitely a tend and befriend game. Like, I'm just going to go hang out and decorate an island and make friends and make this place beautiful. Like, that's really that's nice. True. So let's have nice games too. <laughs> All right, and we will be right back. When we come back, we will talk about what we've been noodling on. And don't forget me. I'm Clamshell Guy. Because not only are you going to get fun and an introspective look at people who love the benefits of role-playing games, but I also bring snacks. Sweet and sour sauce. It's an old family recipe. What would we do without you, Clamshell Guy? Probably go hungry. I don't know. Nightmares. I'm a great alarm clock. <laughs> and we're back. All right, so this is the part of the show that is incredibly deep and where we ask the truly meaningful question, which is, what have you been noodling on recently? Who would like to go first? I'd like to go first. It's very deep, very deep in my heart. I have been looking for the perfect apple fritter recipe because here in Canada... <laughs> It is apple picking season. Not that I've gone because it's COVID, but you know, I see lots of pictures of people in masks picking apples, um, which makes me want to make apple treats and apple fritters are my favorite donut. And in Canada, donut shops, I live in the burbs. You have Tim Hortons on every corner, but that's like a Dunkin' Donuts. They don't have an apple fritter. So I've been looking and searching the internet. Listeners, if you have the perfect recipe, send it my way. I have not yet found it apple fritter recipe do you guys Mm. have one i bet sarah would sarah's got all the recipes she's not here right now i might i actually have a collection of recipes from my grandmother so i will i will look through it after this and see if there's apple fritter i feel like if sarah had a recipe for an apple fritter (laughs) like i don't know if i'd want to make it and fudge would be involved which to me sounds awesome like there's no like all hail uh sarah for her amazing oreo salad yeah it's a salad it's not a salad it's whipped cream and oreos it has the word salad in it it's a it's not a side dish i know it's a salad apparently it is of (laughs) course i think it's a thanksgiving side dish like on the table with the turkey what no (laughs) yes i'm pretty sure yes sounds awful (laughs) We gotta ask her. Yeah, hot fruit. Anyway, so I. Uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> next shot. Okay, Animal Crossing's yeah. done. Hot yeah. fruit. Hot, hot fruit. Hot next. fruit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't have apple fritter, but there has okay. been a recipe going around the Take This Discord of uh, churro cinnamon challah. Ooh, sounds pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. We made it. It was. D- I have not. Um, I don't think I am advanced enough in breadery to do yeah. that um, or or pain as the french would say mm. so but it was described as like a hundred tiny little hugs because it's got the oh. braids 
and like well, you pull off nice. each little piece like a little churro and i might I make my husband make that for me that sounds nice i'm gonna go find it in the go find it the distance so it's, in the, it's in the food channel, food channel. yeah and if you search for hala c-h-a-l-l-a-h i'm sure it will come up for you right. hala cool that is amazing <laughs> i can't believe i did that <laughs> <laughs> keep that oh, in. I need oh, to go in the keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> I am shamed. Oh, well, I can I, I can speak to what I've been noodling on. Unless Megan, you want to go first. No, no, go for it. Wait. I Wait, know, right? Somebody made it. Right? Look at that. I don't know. It's not focusing. Okay, that looks amazing. All right, go on. It, it yeah. Um so it's a little bittersweet, I guess. But noodling on how do I keep the fall traditions that are important to me, given the state of the world that we live in? So, you know, obviously, obviously, trick-or-treating is not going to happen this year. Like, the CDC came out today and said that trick-or-treating is a high-risk activity. Um, thank you, no. CDC, for what you're worth right now, which probably isn't much. But, so I'm trying to think, okay... What can I do? Because my kiddo is old enough to know that Halloween means trick-or-treating. And so, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, what can I, what can I do? Like, we'll obviously do the pumpkin carvings like we always do. That's not a problem. I don't mind going to a pumpkin patch as long as we're all wearing masks like they're outside. Okay, we can do that. But then, like, then what? And so I'm like, well, maybe I can set up a scavenger hunt, get, like, Easter eggs, but take the Easter eggs and put, like, candy corn in them instead and have him, like, run around and collect those or... I've been looking into um, falling down Pinterest rabbit holes about Halloween uh, STEM activities. So like bubbling cauldron using science chemicals and, you know, how to make, um, what is it? Like ghost slime. It's like a normal slime recipe, but you add in um, not whipped cream, face shaving cream. There we go. Oh, shaving cream. (laughs) And make it like lighter and fluffier and, you know, so that there still will be stuff for him to do. But that's kind of bumming me out a little bit. Um, so trying to focus on that. He wants to be an astronaut. So I got him my astronaut costume. And then I got Ellie, our dog, also an astronaut costume. So now they are both astronauts together, which makes me happy. Um, and then thinking about Thanksgiving. You know, what does that mean? Um, my husband does listen to this. So I'm going to lay it out there. My husband invited my mother-in-law down for Thanksgiving without consulting me. Uh-oh. I love my I love my mother-in-law. I like she is a wonderful human being. Like seriously like a saint. However, she's also an insanely good cook. Like food network style. And so the idea that she'd be in my pitiful kitchen and I would be <laughs> responsible for cooking a turkey which I have never done before because we've always gone to someone else's house. There's like a lot of anxiety for so, me. Kelly, <laughs> what I'm hearing you say is you need a kitchen remodel. I need a kitchen. Did you hear that? Room. Kelly's husband needs <laughs> a remodel and a, sh- and a sous chef. Sous yes. Chef. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, again, and I want to be very clear. My mother-in-law is nothing but the nicest, most wonderful, amazing human being. Um, she put up with my husband longer than I have so far. And, <laughs> but like, when it comes to cake decorating, she has like 500 different other little tips. Like each one for its own precise... And it's like, it's amazing and it's so cool, but it's also super intimidating as like Thanksgiving. It's all about cooking and I don't know what I'm doing. And similarly with like Christmas of, okay, well, we'll probably just be us at home, which is not a bad thing, but 
you know, my husband doesn't want me to get on the roof for some reason because I need to hang up my Christmas lights. He said, well, we don't have a ladder and you can't have someone bring over a ladder. I'm like, well, then let's buy a ladder. I don't know who's going to deliver a 12-foot ladder. Well, I don't know. Let's figure it out because that's your options. They're going to take the eight foot we have, put it on a table and climb up that way, no, which you told me not no, to do last year. No, Buy the 12 foot ladder. Um, Home Depot will deliver. Yes. Will deliver. You could also buy a ladder on Amazon. They deliver True. anything. I'm, I'm just, I'm giving him his options. He's telling me well, I can't go on the roof. He doesn't want me on the roof. And I told him he's not the boss of me because we're mature adults. Here's a Halloween noodle I've been having. It's not the noodle I was going to talk about, but it, it kind of plays off of what you were... I might be suggesting in my neighborhood, like a Halloween parade. So we're mm-hmm. like space the kids out like six feet apart and then have them just walk the neighborhood in their costumes. And then like the parents can each have a, bu- have buckets of candy for their kids when they get back or whatever. That could be cute. That's a cute idea. Yeah. Like, that way at least like it's they're hard. seeing each other in their costumes yeah. and like there's being spaced out and stuff and my my kiddos are already like okay we have to wear masks so we need to incorporate masks into our costumes for this year and so they're trying to figure that out I mean, and like, are they even gonna let you trick-or-treat i don't think they are i well i do live in north carolina I mean, i'm not gonna <laughs> open the door someone comes to I my mean, door i'm just gonna turn no i mean like we're i'm not going to let them trick-or-treat like i'm just thinking like an easter egg hunt or something but i might like try yeah. to get together with some of the families at least in the cul-de-sac and let the little yeah. kids come out and do like a little halloween parade and yeah that'd be and cute well if create, you want thing. one thing i've been noodling because i'm just gonna keep dominating the noodle space here because apparently i overflow it i have been thinking i'm like what would it be like what would it be like if i made like a child scavenger hunt video game and like Ooh. if stuff was hidden oh, in cute. other people's houses and so my kiddo would have to talk to other people's kiddos and they would have to go find things in their houses and then bring them all together for like a witch's brew. And then of course I can't probably do any of this because time is obviously yeah. an issue. Um, and so trying to find that balance between look at these 12 Pinterest ideas that I have that are all incredibly complex. Okay. and I probably don't have skills for them. Kelly, don't versus, do all of those things. I shouldn't do all those things. <laughs> no, I, this I is what I'm doing. I'm putting on the pumpkin movie, the Charlie Brown pumpkin movie. We're going to carve pumpkins. Uh, there's like this YouTube video my daughter's obsessed with, with making spooky cupcakes. So I'm to make cupcakes and, and bring out the 500 tips, borrow them from your mother-in-law, let them decorate <laughs> cupcakes and buy a giant bag of candy. They're done. They're done. They don't need more than that. They really don't. They're just little. You, yeah. Do you carve your pumpkins on Halloween? I do not, but I will this year because there's nothing else to do <laughs> because we're not trick-or-treating. <laughs> uh, so I will, and we'll roast the seeds or whatever. Cause it's on a Saturday. Of course it is um so you gotta you gotta fill the day right so yeah we'll carve pumpkins on <laughs> rachel that was the most aggressive like discussion <laughs> of carving a pumpkin i think i've ever heard <laughs> i'm not annoyed it? that it's on a saturday this year and we can't do any <laughs> halloween things yeah yeah it's it's definitely annoying yeah my the thing i've been noodling on is uh, cakes and baking Ooh. and things i have a small human who is having a birthday this week and they requested a combination pokemon and minecraft birthday oh so they are definitely my child uh well so what we have done is we got pokemon decorations because those were less expensive than the minecraft decorations and we're doing a minecraft cake and my little one's favorite minecraft character is the creeper and so i was thinking mm-hmm. we were gonna have to do a creeper head cake or make a creeper cake yeah but um sh- what they said was i want a minecraft cake cake so like, you know how in Minecraft you can make a cake? 
that's what they want their birthday cake to look like that simple like little just red cake with white frosting and little red dots on top okay i could do that like making the portal cake yes i was just thinking that i could do it and this cake will not be a lie it will be truth we will eat it (laughs) (laughs) it'll be glorious yeah we have so many uh, i've been guilt buying birthday gifts so i probably went overboard i'm gonna have to go through and set some aside for christmas (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel relatable yeah because i was like i was at target the other day because i needed something anyway and i walked by and i'm like oh look at those long sleeve shirts and tiny little potato sizes my kiddo needs new tiny little cute shirts that have halloween stuff on them you know kids they grow so fast of course he needs more pants of course he needs more long sleeve shirts listen target is a hole in which you black out in and come out with bags and bags of cute kids clothes yeah yeah Yeah. i wish they came in my size they're really cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would like women's you know geeky graphic tees like they have for the girls like i I, but you know if you do want graphic graphic tees you know go to redbubble the geeks like us shop mm-hmm. and you can get graphic tees with our logo and clinical roles poster and other items on there <laughs> do it and where can we get uh, rachel's shirt the surviving, surviving not, not thriving. thriving i love this shirt this is the from the home edit they are an organiz- organizational phenomenon on instagram and they have a whole line of shirts with that say wonderful things like one says meh vibes, uh, caffeine until cocktail hour, surviving, not thriving. In the fall and winter months, I live in these sweatshirts. I literally own like 12 because uh, I love them. And they have a COVID section now that says like stand six feet away from me, clean hands club. Can we, can we uh, link this in the show notes? Because that we sounds should. like, uh, you know, yeah, I think we need wonderful. to. Don't, yeah, link you know, that can, as well. You can always always get a new comfy sweater. You know, it's it's sweater oh. weather. It's like, yes, it is finally cool off. Nice. I can wear my sweatshirts again. I'm so happy. And I got a Pax one on. I have a Pax sweatshirt on right now that I love. But anyway, Newlers, thank you so much. We will be back in a couple of weeks. And again, if you like what you hear and you want to support us, please consider supporting geeks like us on our Patreon. You get, ex- you know, we try to do special things for our patrons give you access to our minecraft realm and getting to vote on different games that we might be featuring on streams and things like that so if you can thank you so much and if you can't that's okay too just enjoy the podcast all right we'll see you all soon and brain noodles is a production of geeks like us your host for this podcast is dr megan connell joined with her fellow noodlers doctors kelly dunlap sarah hayes and Rachel Cowart. Your producer for this podcast is Amelia Herbst. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Follow us and support us on Twitch and Twitter at Geeks Like Us. That is G33KSLIKEUS. That is Geeks with Two Threes Like Us. Join the conversation as well. We also have a Discord and an Instagram. Tags for both of those can be found in the show notes. Hope to see you around and keep noodling.